This episode of the Shooter's Touch is brought to you by Forged Athletics, your go-to spot for sports-specific trainers and athletes to get connected. Visit Forged Athletics at goforgedathletics.com and start improving your skills today. Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooter's Touch podcast. With us today is Coach K. That's right, Steve Craftson joins us from the DMAC Bears. Steve has quite the journey. Um, it was a lot of fun catching up with Coach and hold on to your hats because he's got a lot of stories um, from growing up in Chicago, playing basketball, to heading to North Carolina, to Iowa, to coaching at Iowa State, to Nyack, until where he's at now up in Boone at DMAC. And so a lot of fun talking with Coach, catching up, hearing some of his stories. Um, we really think you're going to enjoy this. We appreciate you listening. As always, drop us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about us. This is the Shooter's Touch Podcast. And remember, Shooter Shoot. I got Shooter's Touch. Can't nobody ball like me. I was getting... I'm getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, and you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. It's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do, but my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Well, Coach Craftson, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thank you very much. It's great to be on. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, going through a little bit of backstory, we, we try not to dig in too much because we want to hear it firsthand from you, but uh, <laughs> excited to, to hear this whole uh, story and your experiences that you've had. But before we get into that, how are things at your house? It sounds like uh, a crazy couple of weeks. How are you, the wife and kids and everyone doing? We're doing better. We all three got hit with a, a positive COVID test, and I'm I'm about out tomorrow. And my wife and Gabe have got a couple more days, and I think our dog is finally feeling a little better. And so everybody has gotten hit in the Boone household. So we're we're on that men backs, which is really nice, and just got to keep. It's just so wild with your family not to be close to them. And have to be in okay now where, what room are you going to go to okay i'm going to go to this one and all that kind of stuff and so hopefully we can stop it and we can just get our normal lives back here pretty soon whatever that means yeah it's a it's a new normal that's for sure but uh we're obviously thinking and and, and hoping the best for you guys and it sounds like uh you're on the right track it's no matter what precautions you take it seems like uh you just you just never know and it like you said it's hard um especially in your line of work obviously being around the kids um both school and then players as well i mean you just interact with so many people on a daily basis it's just it's hard to hard to avoid yes and you're so excited because once our season was over last year late everybody left and all the kids left and so I haven't seen them and we haven't been able to have them on campus until August here. So you're just, I'm just jacked and we got a new field house and can't wait to be with them. And then boom, 
it's like okay well i okay we'll move on <laughs> so hopefully yeah. we'll take enough precautions and the kids have done a great job and uh, of being resilient themselves and they've had to be quarantined uh since they had some contact with me and uh so hopefully we can get back but i know they're all looking i'm getting texts from them and stuff like that so we're looking forward to, to getting together yeah the 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 facetime and zooms and all that stuff it, it's nice it's uh it's great thing that maybe came out of covid but uh <laughs> it's not the same it's not the yeah. same being able to be in the same locker room and and, and kind of do those things with your players. And so I, I'm guessing you're you're very anxious to get back with your players. Yes, yes. I like that face-to-face stuff. It's a lot yeah. better. Well, good. Well, Coach, uh, you kind of know how we do it on the pod, but we, we like to start way back and get the full story. And so born and raised Chicago or played high yes. school in Chicago? What, tell us a little bit. Paint that picture for us. Absolutely. Uh, born in Chicago, born in the, in the, uh, in the city, uh, grew up about two miles east i think of of midway airport so right on the 55th street there and uh lived there for till i got out of high school and went to went to an elementary high school was a normal really tall kid i was i was tall very early and did not have parents that were very tall or comparative to to me my dad was 5'11 my mom at one point was 5'9 now she's probably about 5'6 uh but she was you know not, she was tall for a woman i guess then and i out of nowhere uh six foot in sixth grade six two and seventh six four and eight six seven as a freshman and six nine six ten as a sophomore in high school and uh uh, yeah, it was just, uh, and no one, no one really cared for athletics in my family. My dad's side is Ukrainian uh, and very interested in financial and making money. And my mom was, her family side was all Czechoslovakian and, uh, and also from the South. My grandmother was from the South Mississippi and no one was into any kind of athletics. And here I am as, you know, a big kid. I want to play it all. And there's, you know, they've met my, I remember my dad and mom saying, we've never seen so many gosh dang games on TV in our lives. And I was like five turning it on to see the Blackhawks or the Bulls or somebody and always, always loved it. Uh, and grew up, went to an elementary high school, uh, a public elementary high school, and which was kind of unheard of for to go to a Catholic high school at that time. Uh, it was very, Catholic high schools were very popular. Uh, my, when I went to, when I picked St. Lawrence, I was recruited. Uh, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, didn't think any of it at the time, but uh, they all cost a lot of money back then. And somehow I received a citizenship scholarship that covered tuition for four years to St. Lawrence and uh, just was really happy about that. And it was a long way away. It was probably like Madrid to Boone uh, as far as to get there. Uh, but they had a tall center. The coach was tall uh, and 1,600 boys, 400 in a class. And now it's not even 400 people in a total in the school. Uh, but it was one of the great stories uh, coming out of that was I was recruited by St. Rita, which is a big rival school. And St. Lawrence is a big, big school that was uh, that I went to. And everybody had said, why did you pick? You know, St. Rita was much more popular and, and kind of the neighborhood school, Catholic school. And I said, when I went, to, when I went there to watch a game, the high school coach was Bob Kopecki, and he was about 5'8" and gave me one of those fish handshakes. And then the next week I went to St. Lawrence and looked around there and the coach was about six, seven and Dengner took my hand off and I saw 
they had a 6'10 or 6'11 junior and big guys. And I said, this is the guy who's going to let me get the ball. That guard coach isn't going to let me touch it. I just rebound for those guards. Screw that. So I'm going to St. Lawrence, which was a whole lot further. But it ended up being a, a great move for me to do that. And we had success. And uh, But, yeah, was in Chicago the whole time until I got out of high school. So where did the where did the sport influence come from then? If it wasn't from your parents, what? How did you start following the Bulls and the Blackhawks? Was do you remember any any anybody in school or an aunt or uncle or anybody that no. got you going? And certainly and certainly not basketball. Uh, I was my first love had always and still is kind of uh, was baseball, and because we would run home to see the Cubs on WGN after the, you know, after the, at three 30 or wherever it is when they're getting in the sixth, seventh inning and, and all my neighborhood buddies were all baseball guys. No one played basketball. And so we just did that in the winter just to do something. Cause we played, we played baseball. We played the 16 and softball uh, that was huge in Chicago and uh, never really thought about it until I started getting tall and people were saying, hey, you might want to think about this other game. And uh, so I looked at it and said, yeah, okay, I'll debate. And when I went to St. Lawrence, the base, uh, the coach, the high school coach, Coach Force, was also the men's baseball coach. And so I kind of made a deal with him. I said, hey, let me go out for baseball because I love baseball. And he says, you know, and he probably said, I don't care what you, what you do. Come on over and we'll figure it out. And I went there my – my sophomore year, I didn't play baseball my freshman year. My sophomore year, I went out after the season, and I had a really good season. And I didn't do – I was horrible. I mean, I had the Dave Kingman huge strike zone, and then I was a pitcher, and I had a – I pitched one inning of a blowout, and I turned to him after the game. We went – we had a walk back to the locker room from the field, and – and I said, coach, you know, I think I'm going to stick with basketball. And he looked at me and he called me stretch. He was the only guy that ever in the world called me stretch. Everybody else was Steve or Kay or Kraft or something. And he said, you know, I think that's a pretty good idea. And it was, it was. Couldn't get you over at first base or anything. I mean, big target. No, there's some other guys that were better. And it's what, you know, you're talking about 1600 guys. That's true. And yeah. every, and every sport is recruiting. And so they were, yeah, no, he wasn't about to, he was going to, he was a tough guy. He was going to give me like one little shot yeah. and then that was going to be it. It wasn't going to be like, yeah, yeah, we'll try this year. We'll try that. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, he wanted me in the gym for the rest of my life, which ended up being okay. I was going to say that uh, planted the seed right there. So yes. obviously playing high school at a high level, um, being recruited into high school. What uh, then as you started getting was it junior year? Was senior? Or when did when did you start having your eye on playing collegiately? I didn't have it until until after my junior year. I for me, I had, you know, we we talked about my family was, we talked about it. My mom didn't go to college. My my mom's sister went to college. My dad didn't go to college, uh, and so it was. You know, you said you were gonna. They were said, well, you're going to college, and I was like, okay, well, that's down the road, and didn't really think about it you know, with not having really anybody around to look after and say, Hey, this, this is how you do it. And you go to school. And my parents got divorced when I was a sophomore. So I ended up my whole life changed as far as me being the, <clears throat> the man of the house. And we moved out of our neighborhood and 
I had to drop my mom off to, to work and then I would go to school and then I would take my brother to school. It, I didn't have time for really anything except just survival kind of thing. And, uh, and so never really thought about it. And then started, uh, coach had purposely kept the letters from me. And, and then my, but after my junior year, he called me into his office and said, here's this box. And I was like, oh, okay. You want me to take it somewhere? No, this is yours. And it had, you know, hundreds of letters and uh, things like that. And back then they could dang you just about do anything. They could have, they could have uh, boosters write you. I remember I was recruited by Clemson really hard. And it, at that time they had this big club was Ipte. Like I pay $10 or I pay 10,000 or whatever it is. And man, I bet, I bet I got seven or eight letters a day for two years uh, and loved the school. I would really, really like the school. Uh, didn't go visit because they were going to go on probation uh, for what some of the coach Tate's lock had done. And uh, when you get recruited and you're starting to get, you get to, and you get a lot of options, you end up being picky, you know, and plus you're a senior year in high school where you're cocky and you think you're the, <laughs> you're the great deal. And how am I going to, you know, how am I going to eliminate this school? Uh, I remember tell, you know, telling coach Olson when I, I ended up going there and a little longer in the story and my, and Bruce Sky King was there, was going to be a senior if I would have went there as a freshman and he was number 54. And I was really bummed because I wanted to be 54. And he said, well, one year you can be 45. And it's like, well, why don't you ask Bruce to change? You know, and I didn't say that. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, but it was, but some of those things you that you did uh it was great fun it was just something that was that i had no idea about and luckily my high school coach was kind of like my dad uh to go over some different things went to i, I took my first visit unofficial visit to wisconsin uh and they were horrible uh but i wanted to see what a, what a school was like and there was two players uh, dennis lick and um oh shoot uh, uh, a running back uh, that were great players from St. Rita that were playing it at, at Wisconsin. So I wanted to see them play Billy Merrick and Dennis Lick. And we went there and, uh, oh, God, Minnesota beat the living bejesus out of them, I think. <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was one of those, it was, we were in the stands and they were singing the Budweiser song and it's swaying and going. And, uh, and I, I turned to one of my high school coaches, or not my high school coach, my eighth grade coach, and said, I can't come here because I'll never go to school. You know, it's like you walk through Madison and it's just bar after bar and they're packed. And I had no knowledge of that. And, you know, or seen that before in a camp. I haven't seen a campus before. Uh, and so that was a, a rude, not kind of a, an awakening of, wow, we got to figure out what we want to try. And beautiful campus, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to go there. So take me back real quick before we continue on the, the recruitment trail. But uh, so, so being the man of the house at such a young age, what do you, what do you think was the biggest lesson you took away from that time period? Uh, I, I don't know about what I took away from it. It was, you know, it was something that had to be done. And I just, I had no time to bitch about it or yell about it. Or my mom was in a terrible situation where she had to, 
she had to work two jobs to keep us going. And my brother, it was just my brother and me, uh, or me and my brother. Uh, he was three years younger than I am. And he was going to a different school. I was going, St. Lawrence was still not close. Uh, just got away from like, hey, I needed to do this. And people talk about, boy, did you have a great time? And, you know, going to parties or going to, you know, meeting girls and all that, you know, or whatever in social life in high school. And man, from sophomore year on, not. Uh, didn't have any time. Uh, I had all my, which is kind of sad, all my dates and all my proms and all my uh, dances were set up because I didn't know anybody. I mean, I just didn't have time to meet anybody. And it was an all boys high school. So there was no girls like walking around anywhere. Uh, and so it was, it was just a very, but I, it was okay. Cause it really helped me focus on what I wanted to do. And for some odd reason from a very young age, and I don't know what the age is, I always wanted to get out of Chicago. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the divorce or how I saw the family or, or what it was, but that was my, that's why I went to St. Lawrence. It was a college prep. It was going to, that was going to be my ticket out. And it was going to get me enough academically to be okay and basketball to be okay to go have a campus and see not what the, what the city of cement and all that kind of stuff. And, and I still feel that way. And it's, I don't know why it's a weird, it's just a weird feeling. I remember getting recruited by DePaul and Loyola. Uh, and I just, I told them, Hey, th you know, it was coach Meyer, the legendary coach Meyer at DePaul and Loyola had great coaches and, I just said, hey, I really appreciate it, but and it's nothing against you guys. I just want out. I don't want any part of the Chicago. Pro I mean, I, that doesn't do anything for me. And Illinois was downstate, and Northwestern was really you had to be really smart to get in. At least that's what I thought. So I really didn't want to study very much in college, and so that was out. And they didn't win very much. And so, uh, you know, trying to look at that, but boy, from a I remember from a, a a big standpoint that I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to go where basketball was big and in St. Lawrence and the Chicago Catholic league football reigned supreme. And we, my freshman year, the St. Lawrence football team, we played St. Rita for this, just for the Catholic league championship in front of over 50,000 people at soldiers field. And then they would play the city champ, the, the public school champ. And it's like, no matter what we did, it wasn't good enough. And uh, and they were great guys, but it was like, boy, we wanted to have our recognition. And so when I looked at schools, I really wanted to go where basketball was big and the ACC, that was where it was at that time. Uh, you know, Big Ten, you had Ohio State and Michigan and, and it was cold and I'm looking, going on these visits to South and I'm looking, man, the girls are awesome looking and it's, and it's basketball and Dean Smith was the Olympic coach and whole Carolina blue and man, how can you say no to tell, call me the next Bobby Jones? And I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm ready. Had to get I, out. I was going to, I was going to say you, you were looking for um, a, a school that holds basketball in high regard in warmer weather. I don't think Chapel Hill uh, can really get any better than that. Ooh. And so um, I, I would imagine there was quite the draw, like you said, Dean Smith, but take us to that. So take us to the recruitment um, by North Carolina and then ultimately deciding to go there out of high school. Oof, it, it was a, I'd always, since I was really big and I got recruited by a lot of the AC or most of the ACC, uh, but North Carolina was just heads and, and shoulders above it. And 
I got recruited by Iowa. I visited Iowa. I visited Illinois. Uh, and I visited Illinois more on uh, a favor to my coach in case we had other people. Because we had Kevin Boyle and Jim Stack, who came a couple years later, and they wanted to be the possibility of going to an Illinois school. And visited Purdue unofficially, visited Notre Dame unofficially. Uh, but I knew that I didn't want to go to the SEC because the SEC was all foot, was all football. Uh, I didn't want to go out to the West, didn't know anything about the West. Uh, I thought, you know, I got some letters from UCLA, but I was like, golly, there's got to be a bazillion guys that want to go there. And so that was not the option. And uh, so it was Carolina or Iowa was really going to be the, and it really still was no uh, thing. And so we couldn't sign until I didn't commit till boy, I, in late and almost right before signing period, there's only one signing period then. And, uh, it, and I visit, I went there and, and signed. And then I went with, uh, after I graduated from high school, I played on an AAU team and we traveled from Kentucky that we traveled to Spain and Russia for the summer. And a heck of a deal it was unbelievable. And uh, what a great trip. Uh, but when I got back about three weeks before school started in Chapel Hill, they had signed two guys taller than me. And I could have sworn, or as a seven, 18 year old kid, you hear that I, you know, that I was going to be the only center they were going to bring in that year. And I played behind Tommy Lagarde, who was a great center. And so I said, yes, I, cause I wanted to play, but I also wanted to win. And uh, so I thought, dang, this is the best of both worlds. I'm not. And so I got, got there. They had signed two guys taller and I was really hot. I mean, but there was nothing I could, could do. Then the rules were you couldn't transfer or you couldn't do anything. And, uh, and I said, well, that's got to do what I got to do. And I know I'm better than they are. And, uh, and so I ended up picking Dean Smith and <coughs> it was, it was, a it was a kind of a shock because a lot of people, in the area, especially in the Chicago South side, wanted me to stick around and wanted me to go to Loyola. A lot of people wanted me to go to Catholic school, Loyola, Chicago. And, and they, had, I found out later from my mom that a booster came up to her at one of our St. Lawrence games and said that he would, or somebody would, would give us a Lakeshore Drive condominium to use for all my years at, at Loyola would give my brother a scholar academic scholarship, my mom a civil engineering job, a civil service job for the rest of her life. Uh, and, and luckily she didn't tell me that because I probably would have picked it to make life easier for her. Uh, but then I found, I, when she told me this a couple of years later, I said, why don't you tell me that? And she said, well, I didn't want, if you took it, then they, you, they'd own you. And, and I was like, well, you're probably right there. And so that was, my mom had, is still alive and she, she had, she had something on the ball then and knew a little bit about people skills and knew that that would be some problems. Mom, mom always knows best. Isn't that the usually. case? So, yeah. yeah. So, well, good. So what was it like then when, uh, when you stepped foot on campus for the first time, uh, as, as a incoming freshman down at uh, North Carolina? Boy, unreal. I mean, it, unreal. It was, oh boy. Uh, you know, people talked about uh, or talk about the Iowa Iowa State rivalry. Uh, that that the Iowa Iowa State rivalry is nothing. When I was when I was in when I was down there, it was North Carolina and North Carolina State because Duke wasn't very good and Shushkesky wasn't there yet. 
and Norm Sloan was there and they had went to the final four, like in 73 or 74 with David Thompson and Tommy Burleson and uh, Monty Tao. And it was death. I mean, it was just blood and uh, it was phenomenal. You were like, you were like rock stars and movie celebrities in one. Um, you were the only negative thing was uh, some people would call you Yankees because it seemed like all the players were almost from the from the north, and we were called Yankees. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. And uh, but it was a great great time. It was very yeah, just incredible pro pro athletic pro us and that we had to earn that and coach Smith had a lot of things going. Uh, but boy, when you get an instructor ask you for his, your autograph, you think you're going to do pretty well in the class. I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so I went there. So I made sure that I went all the time to class because I didn't want to screw that up. And, uh, and so it was, a, it was, it was, it was very different uh, from growing up in Chicago, being on the side, you know, a main street. And we lived on Kedzie for a while, which is a main thoroughfare. And you hear, you know, it's like the typical stereotype. You hear sirens and you hear horns and you hear cars driving fast. And Chapel Hill is not very big. And we were in a uh, dormitory and it's like, man, I got to have noise. I had like two fans going on at once uh, just to hear it. But just that you know, getting into that, it's such a mind blow getting into that time management thing of going to getting up, making sure you have breakfast, going to class, go to study table, go to weights, go to your workout, come back and study table again, nine o'clock, light should be off by 10. It was kind of a little militaristic back then. It was a different era uh, back then. And the old, one of the things that I, that I, uh, that I didn't like that I understand it, but that coach Smith did, he was very much like an army situation where a caste system where freshmen were lower than low to start and sophomores were not much higher. Juniors were getting toward godlike status. And then seniors were like, Oh, you know, angels opened up the doors for them. And it was, uh, and that was hard because I didn't, I understand it now, but I still didn't agree with it. I didn't need to be humbled. Uh, we weren't allowed to dress. We had seven freshmen and we weren't allowed to dress in the varsity locker room until after the first game. Uh, couldn't talk to any press. Uh, we had, a, we always had to be last on a bus, last to, last to sit down, last to get off the training table seat, uh, just a yeah i mean it was very military kind of always had on a road trip always had to carry something i care and i, I told the girls this a couple weeks ago i said tells you how old i am we watched film it was 16 millimeter we're getting a projector you know and they're like what is that and i said I, I, you don't want to know uh but holding you know cans of the of the film and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was great. I mean, I, I liked a lot of things that we did. Uh, very interesting basketball wise, where we really didn't have a scouting report. He, they would incorporate all the, the plays or all the defenses that the other team was going to do in practice. And so he would say at the end, Hey, this is what we want. We've already gone through this. So, I mean, so now you know how to, there's nothing you, anybody can guard or you can guard anything. Uh and it was, yeah, it was, it was very, 
very star-like. And it was, you know, at, at that time, we were still respectful of coaches, you know, where you didn't question authority. And now, or not now, but later on, and when it got to more the 80s and 90s and, and on, that stuff kind of wore off. And I think that's part of what maybe what Coach Roy Williams, uh, you know, got out just because today's kids, and I hate to say today's kids, but it's a different kind of thing now. I mean, and not saying it's bad, but it's a different kind of thing. And because uh, you would never, man, I'd, I'd never call a coach by their first name. Oh, my gosh. I think I'd still be slapped uh, <laughs> by our head coach or still running to this day. Uh, but just, yeah, it was a, and it was a great season. We played in Carmichael Auditorium and it was just a, a great year, 28 and five. And was, yeah, a lot of fun. I was going to say, uh, well, it's two things to your point. One, I, I, I agree with you that the, the, um, it used to be the coach was kind of the star and now the players are the stars and everything is kind of flipped on its head, um, from that time. But, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned an ACC regular season and tournament championship, uh, and then a final four run, uh, as well. They're all in your first year. Um, and then was it after your first year that you ended up transferring or what, how did, yes. how did, the, how did this change from North Carolina to Iowa happen? Well, I went in, in February and some, I can't think of, I think it was before we were going to Virginia, uh, Tommy Lagarde, our starting center blew his knee out in a full court zigzag drill, just something a little basic just to get warmed up. And so I was starting center in North Carolina. I mean, and you had no time to just like, let's celebrate and have a party here. I was just jacked. And, and so uh, into about 15 or 20 minutes later, after that, I went up for a, a shot, a little, a little running, not a running hook, but some kind of running hook, something. And I got accidentally pushed, not on purpose, but, but got pushed, fell off balance and fell on one of my hips and got a hip pointer. And now I'm out for two weeks. So now the third string center, Jeff, uh, uh, Rich Yonaker is the starting center now. And we don't lose from that game on. And so Dean, one of Dean's, Coach Smith's things uh, was that, you know, he's kind of superstitious and was going to keep it while it was going. And I was not real pleased about that because, God dang, I earned it the whole time and it shouldn't lose my job for an injury. And But anyway, uh, ended up, I played a, a lot and was a big part of us and uh, lost to Marquette in the national championship game. Uh, and had probably one of the greatest moments uh, when you're in those in those kind of things of uh, we were in the championship game and we're we're warming up and the telecast goes and one of the announcers I think it was, was uh, well I know it was uh, Dick Enberg and who was kind of like the you know a classy Dick Vitale guy forever <laughs> and uh, just a tremendous individual guy and uh, we're doing warmups and I come up, I come, I do my warm up and, or layup and I'm going around to, you know, getting the receiving line or the passing line. And Mr. Edinburgh stops me and says, Steve, how do you say your last name? And I like stood there for like 15 seconds, like, Oh my God, Dick Edinburgh is talking to me. I, I, I you know, and I, I said, Crassus. And he said, Oh, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Good luck. And I was like, Holy shit. I could just, I could, you know, man, I could go I'm home now. I'm yeah. good. Uh, and it was, and we, we ended up losing the game. Uh, and so we had spring meetings fast forward a little bit and everybody's on the high of, you know, having a great chance at things. And, 
going to the spring, spring meetings one at a time. And I was really excited because I thought I had, I was the only big that year that wasn't asked to red shirts from the other two guys uh, and coach Smith. And again, what you hear as a freshman may be different than what he actually said. Uh, but I didn't hear what I, I wanted to hear. He said that, you know, really none of the three freshmen played well enough to earn a starting spot going into next year, but it'll be up for grabs. Uh, and then Jeff Crompton, who is a, one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life was going to be eligible and Pete Butko, they just signed, who was 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, and, and, and right when he said Pete Butko's name, I counted, you know, I'm not very smart, but I counted in my head, that's five centers. And I, I, I said, Coach, I, you know, I've been thinking I've really been homesick, my family situation, and I, I need to, to get back closer to home right away. I mean, it changed once I – once I – thought that he was not on my you know not on not on my side but once I didn't hear what I mean I was in shock I couldn't believe you know what what I was hearing and I just I I remember coming out of that coming out of the door out of his office and just like being in a daze like there's no way he just said what he just said and and I was at a loss and I called my mom and I'm saying well I'm coming home for spring break and I'm going to find another school. This is not right for me. And, uh, and I had to finish the semester and, uh, the guys were there and were really nice, but I, I don't know if they thought one had to go. And, but I, just, I you know, I, I, and I had no regrets. I mean, the only regret I ever had for leaving North Carolina was that I didn't get to screw around with the new incoming freshman group. Like I got screwed around with. And uh, so Al Wood was safe for me, uh, was a really good player that came in the next year. Uh, but, it, but then it was a thing of, uh, okay, now I got to figure out where to go. And uh, I was kind of disillusioned. I was really upset about big time schools if, if every school does this kind of stuff. And so uh, Coach Smith asked me what schools I wanted to, to talk to. And I said, well, the only two that I really have an interest in would be Indiana and, and I, because I had recruit, been recruited by Coach Knight and didn't go there because he was pretty much like my high school coach. Uh, I'm going to tell you when to cut your hair. I'm going to tell you who to date, who the da-da-da. Uh, and it was his way or the highway. And, I, you know, and, and that was nice for a while, but it was like, okay, there's girls involved now. And, and you're getting a little older. And so that was, I wasn't going to be there, but I, but I called him, I called the Indiana, the office and Bob Donawald, who was an assistant uh, coach picked up the phone and I said, Hey coach, this is Steve Crasherson uh, from North Carolina. I'm, I'm want to transfer and I'd like to consider Indiana. Can I talk to coach Knight? And cause I had known him during, during the recruiting process pretty well. And he had told me, well, Coach Knight's not going to talk to you until you say you're going to come. And I said, well, that's like the, you know, the rabbit and the, you know, what comes first, chicken or the egg. It's like, well, I'm not going until I talk to him. And he said, no. And I was like, well, then I guess we're done. And I said, thanks a lot, Coach, and hung up and called Coach Olson and uh, set up a meeting when I got home in Chicago and, uh, and figured out that was, that was the place I was going to go. Didn't think about you know, anything else, everything changed. Everything went from, from wanting to be away from home 
all the things opposite of Chicago and the Midwest to, I'm not going to live in North Carolina. You know, I didn't, at that time, I didn't think so. I mean, I wasn't very big on drinking sweet tea. Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time took me to a barbecue and I'm thinking barbecue is like you get it from a rib place, you know, in Chicago and you get it to go and there, they got like this animal on a spit in a, in a trench in you know, in a, in the dirt. And I'm like, I'm not going near that thing. And I'm a city boy as it, as it comes through and through. And that wasn't for me. And it was a great place. I loved the, uh, everything about, about it. But I was like, I was just so upset that I'm not, I was never a guy. I was never, or am never a person that, that would ever work on commission, you know, and be motivated by that. I have to know that that I'm your guy and it's my job to, to lose. And that's what coach Olson told me. And he, he told me the recruiting, who he would recruit, how he would recruit, you know, my junior year, he would bring somebody in and to come in and the mold and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just needed to know that, that it was, you know, that, Hey, that you think highly enough of me to give me this spot, but that, Hey, if I, if, the, if I don't play well and the guy, other guy beats me out, man, that's just, I'm okay with that. Uh, and I didn't get that chance. I didn't think in North Carolina. And so Iowa, I really jumped at that and really was close with, uh, coach Rosborough and coach Olson and coach McAndrews and, uh, was really a, a, a blessing, uh, and a great thing. It was ups and downs there too, but, but boy, what a, uh, and here I am still in the state of Iowa. So it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I was going to say, and you guys uh, had a lot of success there as well, um, championships. And then, again, another Final Four run. And um, I believe still hold the uh, unique record as the, one of the only players to play and score in two Final Fours. Is that correct? I think I'm the only one. Uh, okay. I was trying, how, the, how the scenario goes, uh, Bob, Bob Bender who played at Indiana or was on the team at Indiana. And then he went transferred to Duke. He was a, and he was my host when I visited Indiana. So he was a year older than me and he's from Bloomington, Illinois and big all state guy, great guy. And he's still coaching in the pros as an assistant. He went to Indiana when they were undefeated. And so he got to step on the floor, you know, when they beat Michigan and they beat, and they beat Rutgers, I think in the semis uh, where he didn't score, played like a minute because you had Scotty Wilkerson and all those guys and uh, undefeated team, last undefeated team. And, and then he went to Duke and he played. So he played in two championship games. And so I had to figure out like how in the world I didn't play in two championship games. I played a championship game with, with uh, North Carolina, but we lost in the semis to Daryl Griffith in Louisville. So I'm looking back on this, you know, how you're, you know, you, you're trying to figure out and you got the stat sheets and seeing when you went in and what happened and, and I said, son of a gun, I scored two points against Bo Ellis and Marquette. And he didn't even get a shot off. And I said, so that's, I've done that. And so we're the only two, I believe, that have done it. And it's not like on purpose. Uh, and there's been a couple of times when guys were close. I remember uh, the one, oh, shoot, he's probably, he's in the pros now. It's a guy with the headband from Gonzaga uh, who was at Kentucky first. And then he went oh, yeah. and they, and they ended up losing in the elite eight. And I remember texting him uh, or Twitter, get a Twitter and uh, a tweet or whatever you call it. And whatever young kids call it these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and said, you know, Hey, I hope you get to join the club. 
And there was another guy that was at Michigan that went to North Carolina and he just missed it like an African kid from the country of Africa. Uh, and so I think it's still just me and Bob, uh, but I'm the only one that That's scored. Awesome. So, uh, and that was kind of one of the things that coach Smith, he called me in a couple of times, uh, which I didn't quite understand that, that I was looking for my shot too much. And I, you know, and back then you just say, yes, sir. Okay. No problem. And I'll work on it and whatever I can do to help the team out. And I'll get the assist. And man, I was like, man, if I'm open, I'm going to shoot the ball. When I was in high school, I was pretty much a black hole. It was not going back out. <laughs> and my thought was like, shoot, when shoot I had my, right? yeah, when I had my first year here at, at DMAC, we had my assistant, Josh Kavarik, Josh Anderson, six, four, uh, long arms. And, we were running an offense and I just threw it. I said, Josh, I'm throwing to you every time and you can't kick it back out because you two feet is better than anybody else anywhere else. And she didn't understand that. I said, well, you'll understand it when you're going to sit down next to me. And she, so she didn't have many assists either, which was a good thing for us. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Make that, make no. the easy things easy. So, <laughs> Hey, uh, coach, help me out with the timeline a little bit. Was, was uh, Dick Paith at Iowa when you were at Iowa? Yes, Dick. Yeah, Dick and Tommy Norman. Uh, Dick was, uh, they were seniors my first year eligible. Uh, okay. And, and that's one of the, the great, oh, not shames, but great, great, I don't know, like difficult times because that our sophomore year when we were tri-champs with Michigan State and Purdue, uh, Dick Pace, Tommy Norman, Bill Mayfield uh, were just hellish. And two, three of the toughest players, Dick Pace, when I was, I was, when I look at the practice plan and I saw that I wasn't on Dick's team in practice, whenever we went five on five, it was going to be a rough day for coach K. He was going to come out and any time I can still see him. I can close my eyes and still see him ready to block me out on a, on a, on a shot (laughs) of fear because, and uh, tough guy. I remember he just, him and Tommy destroyed Jerry Seasting. Uh, who played, who was a great player that played for Purdue. And uh, it was a great, really great year. I mean, it was a really fun year uh, that year and to be tri-champs. And, and then the unfortunate, it was really unfortunate that the NCAA was really not screwed up, but it was, you, you went somewhere and it didn't make any sense where you went. And we ended up having to go to, uh, to Indiana, to Bloomington. And, and which Iowa had not won there, like in Lutz history, or maybe in the University of Iowa history in recent years. And we had to play uh, uh, Toledo and lost to Toledo. And uh, Harvey, I think Harvey Knuckles or Harry, Harvey, I think, hit a shot uh, to beat us. And I remember everybody saying, holy Toledo. And we were supposed to go, we were supposed to go pretty far uh, and thought we were. But it was just one of those things that uh, in the NCAA tournament, then it's and I and I really liked the way Coach Smith always handled, not always, but the year I was there, handled it so well, where we were only interested in the regular season. And then, hey, everything after that, if you won the postseason, great. But in the NCAA, just a crapshoot because guys get hurt, guys get injured, all that kind of stuff. And I believe we all believed in that, that I didn't think it was that you know, if you should win or you should go. And we had a really good team, but so in that, in that tournament, boy, anything is, uh, is possible as you guys all know. And, uh, but Tommy and Dick 
and Bill, man, really great guys and real unsung guys because they didn't get the credit. I wish they would have had one more year to be on that final four team because they deserve that credit uh, that a lot of us got that they certainly helped us get there. It's uh, it's good to hear uh, stories about Coach Faith um, playing just because I so I've known Coach Faith now, geez, for over 15 years, probably. And I don't I don't think I've I know I've never seen him shoot a basketball. I don't think I've ever even seen him dribble one. So we, we, we we've heard the stories and we know that he was far but to, to get firsthand experience of just what Coach Faith could really do on the court. Oh, it's, uh, it's man, he was, to hear. he was brutal. I mean, Dick, and I love him to death, and, but he was, he had the sharpest elbows and, and he would look at you, you know, along with having the elbow ready, cocked, ready to go, he'd have this, he'd have the Dick Pate smirk because he had this kind of boyish blonde kind of sweet hair and he'd be just ready for us. And it's like, shit, here comes Dick. God dang it. And, you know, and you forget that I think he, I, I think he was an all big 10 baseball player too. Uh, for coach banks and, and yeah. he was on the team and played and started uh yeah. but yeah what a yeah the toma flash toma wisconsin uh <laughs> and t norm was great and bill from detroit but yeah coach pace yeah he was the dude man he was a tough son of a gun and uh we owe a lot of a lot of credit to, to dick that's awesome. That's great. Well, so you had a uh, unique uh, opportunity to, to play for two Hall of Fame coaches in Dean Smith and Lute Olson, obviously. What, uh, is there something that, obviously, I'm sure there's several things, but are there one thing from each of them specifically that you think that you've morphed into uh, your coaching style over the years? Well, I think, I think with the great, I'll, I'll say with Coach Olson first, I think getting to know the players and getting to know a little bit as far as that you got to, you got to, everybody's got a different kind of button to push. Uh, and I thought he was really great at that and really worked at, uh, he knew how to handle me versus Steve Waite. If you yelled, if he yelled at Steve, Steve would really take it personally uh, and really kind of not cower, but not respond well. And he knew that he could get on me and I was of that, the mindset of, you know, one, I wanted to please the coach. And it was like, okay, I'm going to show the son of a buck uh, that I can do this. And I'll, and I would respond po positive uh, that because our coach got on us in high school and that was the only way you could respond. And, uh, but I think he, he was really good at that. And the other thing I think he was really good at, uh, he would, at least he would, we would think he would have power as far as he would ask us how the recruits were when we, when we had them tour campus. Uh, there was a, Oh, there's been a big story. Oh, not big story, but uh, when Joe Barry Carroll visited campus uh, before I got there and he was kind of like a prima donna, a great player out of Denver, ended up going to Purdue and played in the nuggets for a while. And his nickname was kind of Joe Barry Carroll, Joe barely cares. Uh, but a great player when he wanted to play. And they said he was just terrible. And uh, there's a, uh, I'm trying to think of now the, the Italian um, restaurant, the Brown Bottle that we went all the time in Iowa City uh, oh, yeah. with, with recruits. And they had this dessert that was to die for, uh, like brownie pie or some kind of unbelievable thing like that. And Joe ordered a whole pie. <laughs> and took it back to the old Highlander Inn and didn't deal with the guys at all. 
And so that's, as the story goes, they said, Hey coach, the guy was a jerk and we don't want him." And, uh, and so that's what that rumor was that he, you know, didn't go. And a couple of guys that I've had that I took around that I said, no, I remember Jim Peterson from Minnesota, who was a really good player. Uh, he, he wanted to do things that I didn't, wasn't capable of letting him do uh, and around me. And so I told coach Olson and we didn't, he was gone at that next time. Uh, coach Smith, uh, try to be as calm, which I, which I don't do very well, uh, being calm and kind of businesslike as far as saying what you want to get done in practice and, and what we want to get out of this in practice, uh, and being competitive. I think every drill we had was competitive and we had, it was easy because we had 15 guys and so you had three teams of five and we wouldn't run uh, until the end of practice. So we had, a, there was a manager for each class. Uh, the South does it big time and uh, senior manager, junior manager, sophomore manager, freshman manager, and they would keep track of every drill we did in practice, who won, who came in second, who came in third. And it was just, you know, everything was charted. Uh, we had a deal where, uh, and I don't do this, you know, some of the things that I don't like, uh, we would do warmups. And if you missed a layup in warmups on the court, uh, you had to run a sprint for time the next practice. And so, man, I, you know, I would go and we couldn't dunk back then. We could dunk in game, but couldn't practice or in, in, in warmups. Mm -hmm. And I would just, I'd go dang near walk to the, to the rim, put it up, my two hands right above the rim and just let it grow. So there was no way this sucker wasn't going in. Uh, Cause I didn't want to run the next day for just missing a gosh darn layup. Uh, but I, you know, I liked, uh, I liked the confidence that he gave us. Uh, we had t-shirts made uh, that said, we are North, we are Carolina. And on the back of it, when was the last time you were in your offense? And this was back in 76, 77. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, he, he gave us that conference of no matter who we play, uh, that we were going to be better than no one has ever, no one did more in practice than we did and gave us a lot of accolades that way. And, uh, really didn't talk. I mean, it was, and we had a great group. We had a real veteran group that there was not a need for a whole lot of yelling, uh, to be done. And so I take that. I, the other thing I took away from coach that backfired on me. One day in practice, Tommy Lagarde uh, and Tommy Zellagaris were both from the same high school in Lansing, Michigan. One's a senior, one's a junior. And they got into a little fisticuffs, a little bit of push and shove in practice. And Tommy Zell, uh, I think, threw a punch. And with just, you know, no meaning. And Coach Smith stopped practice and had them hold hands and go up every set of steps in Carmichael Auditorium <laughs> till practice was over. So I fast forward to about uh, 2010, and I've got, I have a, 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 an alpha center, uh, Lakeisha Dodson from Sioux City North, who was a state champ and great player for Coach Walker. And I had redshirted or was sitting out to play next year, Tiara Mays from Des Moines East, another alpha male, alpha female. And they got into a little push and shove in practice. And I said, ah, I've got it. I'm going to have them hold hands 
<laughs> and and keep and run and jog around the because I did the the, the the stands weren't up, and so I had to have them jog around the court until practice was over. That was my grand design. I said, Coach Smith is going to come through for me on this one. They lasted about thirty feet until Keisha pulled her hand, saying, uh, "Tia, not Tiara, Tia, uh, Mays, uh, she, she." she pinched my finger and so Keisha runs out of there Tia goes to the locker room I'm chasing all of them Keisha's gone and to say the least it did not it didn't end where I wanted it to end so that was one thing that coach Smith could do that uh, yeah. with alpha females they didn't do, do and they ended up making up at some point but uh, yeah, that, that didn't cross over. That didn't. <laughs> now, uh, Coach Smith is um, loosely credited, I think, that with the free throw line huddle. Did you guys yes. do the free throw line huddle in game? Yeah. Is that was that all the way back then? Absolutely, absolutely. It was everything was everything was. We would the point guard would initiate it, and the point guard would like we had Phil Ford, who was like the point guard of all time, and. He, we would go in there together and all and say, okay, remember now, if it's a miss, we're going to do this. If it's a make, we're going to do that. And he also had, he would also be at half court or top of the key. And so in case we forgot what he just said, he would give a hand signal and, and have that when there's both, you know, both hands would be some kind of press. One would just be man. And we were, and we were taught in practice to run back and look for Phil you know, to see what the sign was. So that was usually what, what always happened. And it was a thing of, it would, it would give whoever was shooting at the line would give them a few more seconds before the referees said, Hey, Hey, break it up, break it up, break it up. Uh, but he would, would do that. And he was really big on, on at the other end as a defensive thing, we would, we would huddle almost underneath the basket and say, okay, watch out for the press, watch out for this, this is it. And uh, did that a lot. Yeah. So there was a lot of communication and that was really key to with coach Smith. Yeah, that's uh, no, that's good. That's interesting. I wanted to, wanted to know and hear it firsthand if that was the case. The one, so. the one thing that I really, the one thing I really, I really liked and, and I tell our girls that there's nothing they can do in practice uh, to try to look like they're practicing hard when they're not, because I have tried it all. I have <laughs> done it all. And there was a, there was a, a rule that if you were in the game and you were tired and you could give the fist to the bench and that meant you could sub out and go back in when you were ready. But if he, if, if the, if coach got you before you put your hand up, then you had to wait for your turn until you were asked to come back in. So I tried it a few times of, I would come in for Tommy and I'd be working my butt off, but I, I'd kind of, you look on the, I mean, I'm from Chicago, South side, and I'm looking at the side and I'm saying, Oh shoot. He's looking to go to go get Tommy. See if Tommy's ready to go. I'd give that fist. So they say, Oh, he's giving the fist. So he's, he's, he's good. You know, he can I'm, go I'm, back I'm, in. I'm going back in when I want to, <laughs> after about the second or third time, I think I got another pullover and said, Steve, you know, uh, you can't, that's yeah, the, the first best start. thing is not working. Uh, <laughs> It was good for a while. I thought I had it. And he said, no, no, no. That's funny. That's funny. Well, I mean, just incredible stories there, coach. Incredible stories. Um, want to jump into uh, your coaching career. 
Yes. Uh, which has, uh, which is, is, you know, very, very um, in depth and, and long here. But uh, when, I guess, first question here for you, what, when, when was the time that you knew you wanted to coach? Was it uh, early on in your basketball career? Was it kind of later or when, when did that kind of hit you that? Yeah. Coaching was what I wanted to do. I, well, my first thought was that was one thing that I almost guaranteed people that I would not do was coach. Uh, <laughs> I was always worried about uh, only being known as a basketball player. I was, and one of the things that I did, like when I, when I transferred to the university of Iowa, uh, I joined a fraternity and I Lambda Chi Alpha and I was the only uh, athlete in a fraternity or maybe sorority of any kind at, at the university back then. And, but I just wanted to know more people than just basketball people and always was, was that kind of, kind of thing. And so, uh, with, with going on that, uh, I would just, uh, I, 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 I didn't want to be in a coaching. I got a recreation degree and I thought that, uh, well, first I thought I was going to be a PE teacher and a high school coach was my first thought. And, and then I took up, I took anatomy and physiology from Dr. Leslie at the university of Iowa, my redshirt year. And I can still remember going up to that. We had little classrooms in the field house and I went up there on those wooden ble- wooden seats and stuff. And he handed the syllabus out on the first day. And I looked halfway through the syllabus and, and raised my hand and asked if I could go to the bathroom. And I have yet to return to class. <laughs> Uh, and, and so Dr. Leslie, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but I'm, I'm not coming back, uh, <laughs> to class. And so I went to my advisor and said, Hey, I need a, I need some kind of activity without any kind of sciences <laughs> and recreation was that. And so I was a therapeutic. I worked in teenage alcohol and drug treatment centers and all different kinds. And I really enjoyed the hospital settings. And, uh, so that's the way I wanted to go. And, when I graduated and tried to, because I had, oh, I back up, I guess, I had always thought that uh, the Amanas would take care of us because they were really big back then, the Amana refrigeration and every, everybody worked for them at that time. And that was kind of not happening. And then I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'll play in Europe or if I'll, you know, I got drafted by the Atlanta Hawks and I'll, you know, surely I, I'm a, you know, tall guy that doesn't cause much problems. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll make that team. And when I didn't make the team and, and didn't like the Europe situation, I uh, came back and uh, went to my advisor and uh, I was an activity, one of the activity guys down at the state penitentiary in Fort Madison uh, for about a year and a half. And then we, then I, then I left, there was a little bit of, you know, it could get rowdy there uh, or it just was a dangerous place at different times. And so I enjoyed it. Uh, went to we opened up a teenage alcohol and drug treatment center in dyersville i was a rec therapist there uh before the field of dreams and i was living in dubuque and i saw that loris college needed uh an assistant men's basketball coach and because they had just agreed to go from naia to d3 and this was 1984 83 84 and so i said what's it gonna hurt and just go there and listen to him and see what, if it's good or not. And I uh, went there and Kevin White was the AD. Uh, and Kevin is, Doc White has done unbelievable things with Duke and uh, all the places that he's been at. And Mike Jaskolski was going to be the new coach. And he said that, uh, 
you know, I'd be assistant basketball coach, assistant intramural director, uh, an alcohol and drug education counselor at Loris at a Catholic school, for God's sake. That should be fun. Uh, and and so it, and I took a nine thousand dollar pay cut. And for some reason, it hit me that, you know, I wasn't supposed to be I, I didn't think the Lord planned for me to be a six, nine rec therapist. Uh, could have, but I think he had other thoughts. And and it was such a great uh, move for me. I, I was I was Loris was great because it had half their play, half their people were from Chicago because uh, all the Catholic schools there and really had a great time. It was a lot of young coaches and uh, got into it that way and just thought, well, hey, you know, this is it was one of those things that, yes, I want to do this. And it was it was just great. I really enjoyed it. And it really helped me as a coach starting there uh, at Loris, because like at a, at a D3 back then, you had a requisition for if you wanted to pad a paper or a pencil, you had to go into the athletic department area and re- and fill out a form to rec. You know they had to know where everything was, and so that helped me in life as far as not being understanding. I'm going to get everything that I can, but uh, really didn't have the thought about ever coaching because I didn't want to be one of those coaches or people that it's all you could do is that. Uh, but boy, then it just it just clicked and. Uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, I've been on a ride that I never thought I'd be on, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, obviously a long ride, um, and a good one too. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously looking through your stops here. So, so at Loris, how how long were you at Loris, and then obviously moved on from there to Iowa State. Iowa Am State. I right about that? Okay. Yeah. So, three so um, how how long at Loris, and then how did uh, how did Iowa State years, come into the mix? Three years at Loris, uh, and was that was at. Uh, at some kind of function, I want to say a function or a luncheon, and uh, John, oh God, Johnny Baxter was a grad assistant uh, at Loris, and he also became a grad assistant at Iowa State for the football team, and back then, in 87, 86, and he had come back to Loris, and he said he met with Coach Orr, and he told him that I, you know, Coach, or John told Coach that he knew me, and uh, and he, and coach or typical was like, yeah, yeah. Tell that big son of a bitch to call me. And that was pretty much how it went. And, and so I did. And Johnny said it up, Johnny Baxter set it up, uh, and went there and, uh, worked out in, in camp and had to work with camp and, and coach or, uh, the last day of camp, uh, had me come into his office and he said, okay, I, you know, really like to hire you, but you know, you're a freaking hawk. And, and I said, uh, I said a few things, but I said, coach, if you're going to pay me and hire me, screw the Hawks. I'm going to be a cyclone. <laughs> and I don't tell that story very often because a lot of my Hawk friends don't like that, but right, uh, it was a job and a great job. And to be with coach or to, to have lunch with Johnny or for, for about seven years was one of the thrills that I, that I'll never, you know, could ever equal. Uh, he was such a great people person. Uh, Rick Wesley, Jim Hallahan. Uh, we had a, a great staff, great group of guys. To go from Laura's Fieldhouse to to Hilton Coliseum was quite a quite a rush, and uh, to understand it because when you're in Iowa City, I mean, I was from Chicago. I had no really knowledge of Iowa State except that they were like the rival and. I had to deal with Dean Utoff and some of those guys that when I would play them, but uh, you know, no, nothing big. And 
then to go over there and just to have that opportunity to be in a, a division one assistant coach. And I was a restricted earnings coach, uh, then where we couldn't make, Oh, I want to say we couldn't make over maybe nine or $10,000 for some reason, the NCAA viewed that that was a good thing. And mm-hmm. so for all my years with coach or, uh, that was the case. And, uh, so I taught a class, uh, I taught a, a theory class of basketball and I taught an activity class and I got in trouble, uh, which is hard for me to do sometimes, but, uh, the head of the physical education department called me into her office, Shirley, and I can't think of her last name, uh, and said, Steve, I, I hear you're, you know, on Fridays of, of game of home football games, you're, you're given, uh, quizzes. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, I, and what is the nature of these quizzes? And I looked at her and I said, I, I've got to be honest with you. It's rock and roll quizzes. And she said, does, <laughs> does rock and roll have anything to do in your syllabus with basketball? And I said, no, ma'am. And she goes, oh, then I would, I would probably think it would be a good idea not to have those music quizzes anymore i said yes ma'am i will not (laughs) (laughs) well we uh well we we knew that the music runs deep in your uh in your veins so we'll maybe have more of that more of that later on but um so um you know obviously brian and i are both i mean huge huge hoop heads um you know a lot of the uh a lot of the great coaches have um i guess different aspects of the game that they um have different words for was there anything that Johnny or that he called something that maybe nobody else called there, maybe a drill that he did that nobody else did. Wow. I have to think about that. Uh, he would, he coach or of a, of a drill coach or would, we did three lane running and every, and it's, and everybody has a version of it mm-hmm. uh, where sometimes you just go down. Sometimes you go down and back. And all it is is, is pitching it ahead for layups and moving. And Coach Orr loved that drill. He loved seeing guys running their butts off down the floor, getting and just shooting. He loved it was it was like a little kid at at the fair or the you know somewhere. He just loved seeing them run fast and make layups. And I remember one time we were we were doing it and Coach Orr was on the side talking to not sure who was talking to a booster or, or somebody. And, and we were doing the drill. It was like 16 minutes into the drill. And it's like, coach, I think we need to, I think we need to move on and do a little more than this. And he goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, it. I just love to see him make baskets. And that was, and that was him. Uh, he was, you know, and I got that, I think from him a little bit of, I was always so offensive. I was always offensive oriented as a player and then when I was assistant for coach or I was in charge of scouting uh and and so I was in charge of their offenses and stuff so I never hardly looked at defense and that was right up my alley so that was okay and so for seven years it was just hey I was in charge of everybody's out of bounds plays and and it was great great practice for me when I did become a, a head coach to think about all the offenses that I've seen or defenses that I've seen. Uh, but I would say that would be the one for, for coach or uh, coach Smith, boy, he had a, he had, he had a bunch of them. He would, 
he loved it. We would play five on five on five, uh, and it would be half court, and you had to see how many passes you could make. Uh, and there was no shot clock then, but without a deflection, and you kept going. And it was just, it was a hellish drill. I mean, it was, a, you know, they call them, I think they call them, uh, oh, Coach Floyd called a man. I can't think of what it was, but it was like, man, it was brutal. I mean, because you're working and you have to guess between do I want to work hard on offense or do I really want to work hard on defense here. Right. And that was tough. Coach Olson, I, boy, he had it. I think one of the things that I remember about Coach Olson uh, was that we had a, our practices were pre two, pretty much two and a half hours. And the first 45 minutes was strictly, you know, calisthenics, get loose ball handling, dribbling for 45 minutes. And the thing I got a, a, a away from, or the thing I, I took from that was that, boy, he was, you forget so much how much of a fundamental coach Lute Olson was. I remember going to talk to him at a clinic and we talked about, uh, he was talking about uh, posting up and getting angles in the post. And I'm having like LSD flashbacks. Like, oh, God, I could, I could do this, Clint. And this is exactly, it all is coming back to me. And boom, ba boom, ba boom. And I'm like, man, yeah, he was really good at angles and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the only drill that I, I know I dreaded and tried to get out of as much as possible uh, was the, the, the practice after Christmas when we came back. We would always, he would always put uh, five minutes on the clock at the end of the practice half of us on one end and half on the other, each with a ball on each end. And you had to keep the ball alive for five minutes off the backboard. And for two of my three years, I somehow got sick or hurt before we had that, before I had that practice. And it just pissed coach Olson off <laughs> so badly. And I, and it was legitimate stuff. And that's, pretty much when he called me the popcorn man that I really only showed up for games. And, uh, oh, but I remember that drill and I, boy, somehow my, my muscles knew not to, not to work on December 26th very well. Yeah. So, um, after that, uh, went up North to North Dakota, um, yep. and then came in the right saying came back to Ames, um, yep. under, under coach Floyd. So we're kind of seeing, um, maybe I guess like coaching theme here with, you know, an assistant under great coaches. Um, and uh, what does, I guess coming back to Ames, you know, I, obviously being under a great coach in Johnny Orr and then coming back with, with, with another coach, you know, with, with a new team, um, what was different about that time? And then what did, uh, what did you learn from, uh, what did you learn from coach Floyd? Well, I learned that there's a defensive part to the game with Coach Floyd. There actually is. Uh, there actually, there actually is. is. Yes, yes. That I didn't. Blew my I didn't. Mind. I didn't. I didn't like that part too much either. But no, uh, there is a defensive no. part of the game. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and very intense. I mean, I had I had really never heard of uh, sending two back on a shot, uh, the two guard going to the hole and the point guard going to half court and picking them up there and ending transition, uh, and uh, it was, but it was very night and day. I mean, coach Orr was very, was very jovial. Uh, coach Orr would tell me when we were going to go watch, I had to do the, I had to do all the highlight films and he'd ask me on the way up to the highlight film, 
now, okay, how long is this highlight film going to be? Because he kind of had a date to go to Aunt Maud's for a Bloody Mary and a little beer chaser at about 4.30, 4.35 on Friday. And and so it was like, oh, at 16 minutes. Oh, God, we can't have it that long. You got to cut that thing off. I said, Coach, Kansas runs a few things that we got to kind of go after. Uh, but, he, but that was Coach. And then Coach Floyd was, man, we would uh, – he would he – would, he was really good at what he wanted to get through as far as defensive and telling guys how good they can be. Uh, he was very, very fundamental, very to the, very, like he would get on. I remember he got on, uh, oh gosh, a little guard from Milwaukee that didn't make it very long. Uh, would talk about your toes had to be on the line at half court and not passed, but just about touching the edge. And, and he would just, and the guard would fight it. He'd have more of his foot on the line or not enough on it. Oh, DeAndre, DeAndre Harris. And I'm yelling, I'm, I'm, I'm at half court with my hand like this going, DeAndre, get your freaking toe on the line. The man's going to roast you here. And he just must've thought that, you know, negative love was better than no love at all, but shit, he got a lot of it. Uh, but it was, you know, coach was, was very good, very thorough. Uh, it was, it was, it was great for me, but it was, oh, it was, it was enough. I mean, I had never worked as hard as I, as I did. Uh, he was very good, you know, knowing that I was, I guess, a, a, you know, I was single then and for most of, or a lot of the time, and you know, I was popular. Uh, I'd go on all the iClub outings. And so everybody kind of, I was a, and being an assistant coach for so long, you're always the good guy, you know, you're, you know, the good cop. And so I liked that role quite a bit. And, uh, and so then when it, when, it, when I had to get on guys and stuff like that with coach, uh, it was, it, it helped me know that, uh, I was ready. I, I don't know if I could have done, I probably could have, but I didn't really want to be another year with coach. Uh, and he, we made it to the sweet 16. We got screwed the terrible, no offensive foul call against JC Holloway with Cameron dollar. It's, you know, it's terrible, horrible, but, uh, that I can see in the San Antonio, cause I, I was in charge of scouting and I had, and I told, um, Oh God! I uh, told Sam Weaver while we're watching Virginia and Minnesota, the game before us. You know, I said, "Oh, and Gar Foreman." I said, "Gar, I ain't got shit on either one of these guys. <laughs> I have put so much time into this UCLA game that I've got nothing. If we when we win, you got to bail me out here because he'll want a scout report like then, and I I got nothing." I, I mean, I don't know who's playing for him. I don't know anything. And we were up like 15 or 16, maybe at half. And then I'm losing on that terrible no call. But uh, that was the only good thing about not winning because I had, didn't want to hear the wrath of Coach Floyd. I had experienced that a few times uh, and didn't want to do that again. And he was, you know, just very different than Coach, Coach Orr. Uh, but it was still a, a great experience for me and, I had always said our, our, our oldest, Jacob, was born New Year's Eve 1996 when I was with Coach Floyd. And I had always told everybody that when I have a child, I'm going to get out of the Division One rat race. I'm not going to – I've heard Sam Weaver. I heard multiple coaches say, 
you know, our business people say, hey, I missed the first six, seven years of my kids' lives uh, because I was trying to get my own career. Uh, and that's where, where he was shocked. Coach Floyd was shocked. Uh, I had turned down three assistant jobs, one at Texas San Antonio, one at Towson State, and one at St. Mary's in California uh, to be the head coach at Nyack in Mason City. And it's what I wanted, and uh, and it ended up being a really great thing because we had twins a couple of years later, and uh, and I couldn't see my wife from you know Irwin, Iowa, coming to pick me up at Oakland International Coliseum or International Airport from a you know some big recruiting trip. Uh, if I was, we were living in Moraga, that was like three thousand dollars for a one bedroom apartment back then. Uh, after having a house in Ames, so I. And it was a great move, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Had a great memory. Uh, got a lot of stories about that year. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> but it was a great experience. Yeah. Well, and well, I uh, assume when you when you came back to Iowa State, you're making more than nine or ten thousand as an assistant, right? I did. At, at that I did. <laughs> yes, that was kind of nice. And that's and it a was, positive. And then, and then the NCAA, uh, it was a federal violate or antitrust lawsuit that was that somebody had filed for us. And we had, and all the restricted earnings coaches got so much a year. And so I think, boy, I, we paid off our house, uh, which, was real, which was really nice out of nowhere. Uh, the house in Mason city that when the check came and uh, I was like, wow, didn't expect that. And that was a nice thing to do, but Oh man, golly. Oof. <laughs> to think that that's all you're making compared to what some of those assist, those D one assistants are making now. So that, well, uh, yes. Yes. And now it's like I was in charge, you know, not and not to complain, which I heaven knows don't like to do. If you know, I was in charge of camp, <laughs> I was in charge of uh schedule for the, the years, I was in charge of all the academics, and I was in charge of the guys. And now I'm looking at these this third and fourth and fifth assistant coaches, and they hire a firm now to do all their non-conference scheduling and like a lot of money they pay them and I'm like oh my god it was you know the, the, the toughest thing I remember was trying to trying to get schedule uh with those teams like you know from Elkhorn State or things like that to come up and Kansas was paying back then like 40 grand in rooms and I had gotten uh my one story there I got I got uh oh the, the school out of Macon uh uh, oh god i can't think of it anyway oh, we're yeah. uh we're playing them and the coach is the coach uh who coached larry bird at indiana state and and he's there and we're playing them in hilton and we talked before the game and talked when we got the thing uh that if we keep it under 40 he'll come back the next year and i'm like oh my god this is great and so we're going to get him again and so we're getting close to the, we've got about eight minutes to go and we're getting in the thirties now, you know, we're up by 30 something and I'm, and I'm, and I'm starting to get a little nervous and there's a lot of time left and Greg Hester and some of the reserves were not in the game at this time yet. And I'm, I turned to Rick, what we had a pecking order. It went from me to Rick Wesley to Jim Hallahan, the coach or, and I would say, Rick sub Rick would go to Jim. Jim, sub. Jim would go to coach. Coach, sub. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's, just, it's You know, now there's like two minutes to go, and it's 43, and it's like, for God's sakes. 
if you care about me at all in my job, sub somebody. And coach and coach Orr made the great comment to me after the game. He said, you know, okay, people didn't come to see the reserves play. They came to see Justice Thigpen make baskets. And I'm like, I know, coach, but we just had it. We just saw a W fly out the window here. And I, I went to the coach at, that we played and I said, coach, yeah, we're probably not going to see you next year. He said, no, you're not. And I was like, <laughs> but, oh, man, that's, yeah, that's funny. So, uh, after Ames the second time head up to Nyack to be the head coach. And then obviously, uh, been in Boone for, for quite a while now, uh, since yeah. about 2004. Is that right? And if yep. I'm not, uh, incorrect about this all time leader in wins for the women's program there. Yes. Very fortunate. Yes. So found a home there. Um, let's maybe skip to this year and maybe even last year. Talk sure. to us about that. Obviously a tough year with COVID. Um, how did, how did the girls handle that? How did you and the coaching staff handle that? Um, and then let's maybe talk a little bit about your team this year. It was a heck of, it was, yes, it was a very learning experience for everybody. We didn't, every day it seemed like there was new rules or new things to go by. And uh, the one thing that I can say from going through it is the young, young people, the college kids, they're resilient and they can adapt to anything. I think the adults had the harder time adapting than the kids did. Uh, it was, it was really tough because we ended up, we're going to have a season. We're not going to have a season. They're going to let us practice, but not play. Which, and then we were able to scrimmage, but not play. And that made no sense. But everybody was going off the seat of their pants. No one knew exactly what the rules, there were no rules to it. And so uh, we practiced for so many days, 30 days or 60 days. And then the girls went home right by th at Thanksgiving. I took, sent them home. Then we got the word we can start practice again January 4th. Uh, and then we're just, we're going to play 20 games or 22 games. Uh, and the girls were just so ecstatic to play. And I can remember going from when we were practicing, cause you had to practice with the masks. We didn't have to play with them. And, uh, the first couple of weeks of practice, I remember calling coach, coach Finley at Iowa state going, coach, you gotta let me in on a secret here. How do you do this with those masks? And he says, Steve, we go for about four or five minutes and then we give them a break. There's spots that are six feet away from each other and they can take their mask off then. And then we so break for a couple minutes and go back and uh, really had a, a good group, a good resilient group and ended up being everybody that played basketball, the division one and division two women's teams, we all played each other twice because we wanted to stay in the state because we were all doing the same protocol. And so we were lucky we finished second in our, in our region of division twos and third overall. Uh, and we thought that was heck of an accomplishment because we didn't do very well the year before. Uh, we were 10 and 19, I think, and one of the worst years we've had. And to turn it around to 15 or 14 and six and going into the tournament, uh, really feeling good about the tournament. And then they, they had, because a lot of division three schools and a lot of division two junior college schools weren't playing because of COVID or the pandemic, uh, they were, we were going to be allowed to have two teams go to nationals that last year. And so we was like, boy, we got to win. You still got to win it, but you got to win only two games. And we're the second seed, so we get to host a regional for the two games. And so we're, at, we're close to the, the last week. We, we go our one of our last games the week before the, 
we start uh, the tournament, uh, we go down to beautiful Keokuk, which if you haven't been down to beautiful <laughs> Keokuk, oh, yeah. it is a dandy place to be, especially the old the old gym there. The Cardinal Stretch High School gym is where we get to play Southeastern every year. Uh, and it's, it's not great. And uh, we win, but we had uh, Jada Powell, who was our starting uh, foreman, uh, who led the, the league in rebounding. Uh, she gets a concussion in the first couple minutes of the game. So now she's out. And so she's not going to be able to play in the tournament. Uh, after we come back from Keokuk on that Monday, I get a call from our, our first girl off the bench, Jenna Bohati from Omaha. Uh, she's got so much pain. And she tried to drive to the hospital from the apartments at three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning and ended up, it only could, it's only a Juco moments here. Uh, she went, she got as far as the Kaibo by the baseball field and had to get out of her car. And she's calling me from inside the porta potty and to come and get her. And I get her and she's got kidney stones. So she's done. And then, then we hear, uh, our first guard off the bench, Shamir Brown, her, her grandmother and aunt uh, die within a, a week and a half of each other down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So she's understandably has lost her mind. You know, I mean, what a tough, tragic situation and had, and she left and went home to see the families. And so now we're, we've got three kind of people that we're kind of hoping to have, especially Jada and just bodies. And we, we have enough in us and we, we, we do a heck of a game. We were at home and we beat Nyack and Iowa Central had a really good team and we beat them there when we were full strength. Uh, but we couldn't, and, and they played really well. They had some two really good players, but without the players that we had, uh, we couldn't pull it out. So, but it was a great year. Uh, Grace Flanagan from North Lynn High School uh, made second team All-American. And with that, they called NCAA said it was it, last year was a free year for everybody. And yep. so we talked about it. And Grace had said that if she ever if she got an opportunity to a, to go to a university or a college that she really liked and was at the level that she wanted to play in, she could go there for four years after playing with us for a year. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. I said, and as hard as it was to, to have Grace leave, you know, I always told her and I told our girls that this is what we're here for is to get you to where you want to go. And it's not about me. It's always nice to win and do all that kind of stuff, but this is not what, what you're signing up for. You're signing up for getting you where you want to go. So she signed at Quincy. Uh, They love her. She loves it there. Division two, great conference. And she gets four years uh there which is a good thing and jada signed at merrimack and just outside of boston uh and so it was a a really good year we've got some good girls coming back and uh we hired and we hired we brought we signed some new ones and uh really excited about getting so now when i can get off this covid we can get back to working at it right yeah um well sounds like you're you're on the way back from that so that's awesome um let me ask you one thing about just just overall coaching here. So obviously an assistant um, on the on the boys or the men's side. Um, what's the what's the biggest difference when you're coming over to the women's side? Um, what's the biggest difference between coaching coaching the men's side and the women's side? I think confidence 
is very big. Uh, guys have all kinds of confidence. Uh, girls could be all American and they'll miss a shot and they'll start crying down the floor. And it's a terror and a stereotype, but I've seen it happen. So it's not, I'm not making it up, but, uh, I think confidence very, uh, more of wanting to, wanting to, to be a team player, uh, the women do a really great job of wanting, I think for the most part, wanting to do what you, what the coach wants them to do. And so when you run a play and you call it, like we'll call out, we had a, we had a, uh, our one call rebel was a big, was a big play for us. And uh, because we had Michelle Cumro that was, she was from, um, oh, up there by Iowa, uh, Hubbard Radcliffe were the rebels. So I called it Good Rebels because it was a play for Michelle and uh, <laughs> that she scored all the time on it. And, uh, and, but you had to, but then you have to, you'd have to say, but if she's not open, don't throw it because they would want to run the play and the way you wanted them to run it. Well, like, you know, shit happens sometimes when you can't <laughs> make that reversal pass or something. And so you just got to kind of get into, but if it's not there, we can do this. And uh, that I think is the, one of the, one of the toughest things. And, and I think the other one is that sometimes in, and it, again, stereotypical a little bit where girls will hold on to the drama a little more than guys. Uh, it's nice to have assistant coaches where I could come into the gym and say, how's the weather today? <laughs> is it is it sunny and 80 or is it kind of overcast and looks like rain uh just to kind of get a, an idea of uh because girls um, the women they'll they'll go through a brick wall i mean i had i i don't regret ever leaving the guys i like the guys but i just i wanted to get the reason why we moved here one or solomon was the ad and I was really close to him and really, really, we really liked our central Iowa ties. And my wife is from Irwin IKM Manning school district where it was, we were two hours closer than Mason city. Uh, and I wanted to be in this area and it just was, they've, they've, it's just been a great thing for me and for the, the team. And I love DMAC and the Boone campus is a wonderful place. And people have asked me all throughout the years, what are you doing here? Why don't you go back to go D one? What? And I said, this is, this, this is, I'm, I'm directly in charge of, or directly helping people out and, you know, getting to know them and getting them where they want to go and see their goals. And, you know, when I was at Iowa state, we only dealt with the basketball kids, you know, we were, our offices then were at Hilton Coliseum. And so we were so far from the other students that you didn't see anything. And I just, you know, it's as a head coach, the thing I liked about being a head coach, if my kids were playing or I, you know, wanted to see them play or in a practice, I could call off practice because I'm the guy, you know, the head coach. And so uh, was just really flexible enough and really worked out perfect for, for us to be here. And it, it's, this is where I was supposed to be uh, somehow. That's, you know, all that North Carolina stuff was meant to be to, for me to be here and so i'm awfully happy to to do it that's awesome yeah isn't it amazing how everything just kind of kind of leads you on the path in which that you're supposed to go and obviously you yes. made a huge impact um not only at dmac but in the community of boone and so that's uh that's wonderful to hear now timeline wise are were, were you coach k first or um 
Well, I probably, probably, well, uh, my uh, coach Krzyzewski probably was first. Uh, yeah, because he got to Duke in what, 85? Yeah, they because I didn't start. 84 was when I first got, or 84 was when I coached. I had the special K, though, early. Uh, when I, when I was at Iowa, uh, one of the incredibly great things, it probably was all my fraternity brothers. Uh, when I got, when I would get called father of Holzhammer, when he would (laughs) give the starting lineup at Iowa, uh, you know, and introduce me, they would throw little boxes of cereal, special case cereal from the balconies down onto the floor. And, uh, so that was, I was definitely ahead of that before Clark Kellogg. Uh, being special K, but uh, yeah, Coach K, it was, uh, I was the midway, and, and in fact, Coach Krzyzewski, I got to meet him a couple times because he was a North Side Catholic League guy. He went to Weber High School, uh, and so I got to have, got to know him a little bit, and uh, but we never talked about who's who should be. Who's he's, got a, he's got a few more W's and uh, championships than I do. But, uh, hey, it's it's about being first. You know that. You just, uh, same is. thing in recruiting. You got to be first. But yeah, I think he would have yeah. been at probably would have been at Army slightly before the Loris. The Loris. If you would, if so. you would see, if you would, I, I, about five years ago, my brother was a is a lawyer in Chicago, and he found somehow uh, through it. I don't know if ancestry DNA or something. How our Craftsman was originally spelled when Grandpa came over on Ellis Island. And it is nowhere close to what it was. It would there. I think there was more C's and Z's than in Chesky, uh, but wow. thank God that he didn't do that because it would have been nice to have just been like K R A F T and then have some cheese and macaroni <laughs> kind of stock would have really there been go. good. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it was rough. Well, I mean, just. I've said it a couple of times, I feel like, but just incredible stories here, coach. Um, we really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> Thank um, you. We uh, like to end our podcast with a little section we call rapid fire. Brian's going to hit you with a, with, with a couple of questions, some about ball, some about uh, some not about basketball. And you just let us know the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. All right, coach. Uh, first one we always lead with here. And uh, since you have an extensive playing and coaching career, I want, I want to get two from you. So favorite visiting Jim or arena that you had an opportunity to uh, both one play in and another one coach in uh, the right at the, off the top of my head, the, the favorite gym to play in. I love playing at Minnesota. Uh, I don't know why it was, I don't know if it was because it was on a stage kind of was yeah. up there, right? but it was just, <laughs> it just was way cool. And everything was dark around. It was kind of like those old 1950s fights where the, only the, the lights were on the, the yeah. ring yeah. Uh, and you really didn't see the people because you only could see their heads because we were kind of up there. But I just, I just loved going up to Minnesota. It was the coldest place I'd ever been to in my life at that point <laughs> before I went to, before I went up to North Grand Forks. Uh, yeah. But I, I loved, I loved playing there. Uh, and I, and I would say the, as a, as a coach, uh, boy, that's a that's a hard one. Um, my I guess my first thought is one, one of the first years uh, when I was at Loris when I joined Loris, uh, Loris was in its last year of NAIA and then we went D three, and 
we had a rivalry with St. Ambrose that was, that would rival any rival. St. Ambrose Loris games were just brutal. And I remember going down to Ambrose uh, and just having a, a tremendous hatred uh, for them and always a love for the school, but I always loved going down there. That was always one of my things when I was there as a head coach uh, with in the region. Whew, uh, I always like going to Iowa Central. I don't know why. Uh, I, I, they, have a, they have a tremendous, great band. Uh, and unfortunately, except for this past year, which was great, they didn't play behind our bench. And they got, they got like the Chicago horn section times like eight. And it's loud, and but it's really good. And I just, I kind of screw around with the band director because uh, he knows me by now. God, I've been there like 20 something years. Uh, but it's, but it's, I, I enjoy, uh, I've made a lot of friendship with there, but I just enjoy not, not being very far uh, and love, love going up there and, and when we can get a win over the Tritons. Yeah, there you go. Those are good ones. All three of those. I like it. Um, so if not coaching, if you, if you did not put, uh, put this basketball career coaching career together, what would you be doing? Oh, I would have been pitching. I'd probably be retired. I'd be pitching from the Chicago Cubs. Uh, <laughs> I would have, I would have taken when Fergie Jenkins retired, I probably would have took it cause I was a three quarter thrower on the right side. And, uh, and I think I would have been, I would have tried to do that. I, that's I like that. That's a good one. Um, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Will Chamberlain without Ooh. question. I love Wilt uh, mm. just, and I was, and I was obviously uh, just because of, I, I didn't know very many big people when I was growing up and I really felt awkward and felt, you know, boy, just very different. Uh, and then I just would read more about Wilt and uh, just the way he carried himself and how I, that's how I wanted to, you know, get to and emulate a little bit where he didn't take shit from anybody. I mean, he was, uh, and it was, it was, I think the, the book, I read it, uh, just, an, just another average black millionaire basketball coach living next door to you or something like that basketball <laughs> player. And, uh, just, uh, I just, yeah, Wilt just was always was my guy. And I, if I wasn't going to be 54 and I really love 54, uh, and I liked it because, uh, it wasn't 55. That was the highest number you can do in basketball was 55. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like they gave it to every big fat guy, number 55 <laughs> guy. And I didn't want to be that. And then uh, Tom McMillan from Maryland, well, God, how old I am, when he played at Maryland, was a really a good player. And then he went into Congress and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but he was 54. And it was like, oh, I like 54. Uh, and it's one less. And it was nine, number nine. My mom said nine was a good number for me. Uh, and so I, I, I took that. But I, if not, I would have been 13 because Wilt, I really wanted to be that. That's great. That's, that I, I great. think, our first Wilt. Uh, it it absolutely one, so. is our first one. We, so, we, we've only had two answers for that question, Coach. Only two. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, I'm not going to pick guards, for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Michael. God. That's all right. All right, this one might be maybe a little. You answered that one pretty quick. I, maybe this one's not as easy. Who, who what's, uh, or who's your favorite band of all time? The Beatles, without question. No uh, question, huh? 
the Beatles and the Stones are a really close second, but still way far. The Beatles are the best. And I have a one of my rituals I've really gotten into, uh, well, into like the last 30 years, uh, <laughs> gotten into uh, the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner. Uh, in fact, I watched a documentary again this, today, this morning on, on Skinner and uh, took the kids to Skinner. I've seen them probably 10, 15 times. Awesome. Uh, saw Allman Brothers a few times and it was great. Uh, and I had a thing where for a while, uh, until the 10 and 19 year, two years ago, where I had to, I had to listen to a, uh, an Allman Brothers or a Skinner song somehow in, during the day before we played a game. Uh, then that theory went out the window and we kept losing a bunch of games. So uh, <laughs> now I just try and hear them all the time. But uh, those are, the, as far as the two that I enjoy listening to the most, but as far as when you talk about bands, I mean, I've got to listen on Sirius a lot with when Charlie Watts passed, they did a lot of Rolling Stones and, and Rolling Stones are probably the best rock and roll band ever. Okay. Uh, but the Beatles are in a whole other category. I've had an argument with Paul Shirley over this. Okay. He thinks that he thinks the, the Beatles are so overrated and I dang near ended my friendship with him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like how and because he likes i don't even know who he likes and it doesn't matter because that's just such an insane thing to say right. uh but it's uh the beatles i got the chance when i was uh six years old in 64 i think when they came to they came to chicago for the first time and uh, they landed at midway airport and everybody on wls and wcfl am in chicago uh, was saying they were coming down they were going to go to uh, the international amphitheater to play and so he would take 55th Street down from Midway Airport and go east till wherever. And that was on my route. I was on 55th Street where I live. And so I remember being at home and hearing the radio saying, hey, they just left. The, they're in their limos. They're driving down. And man, me and a couple of buddies, we took off like bandits uh, down to the corner of 55th in California. And you saw those two or three or four limousines that were there. And it was the, that was the closest I've ever gotten to them. Uh, but it was uh, that was one of the big highlights of, of my life that I got to see them. Well, hopefully it was them uh, in, in limousines going down. But yeah, the Beatles. Um, yeah, it's not even. It, it, yeah, not even. That's, not, that's great. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't work uh, with these uh, um, music quizzes on Fridays. You couldn't you can tell your lead instructor that uh, it was, you know, it was for the warm-up tape. Like I'm teaching these uh, guys I, basketball I, and warm-up tape. Believe, you know? me, I, <laughs> believe me, I tried and <laughs> yeah, it, it just failed so badly. You know, that's, yeah, once I got, yeah. you know, they had, a, they had to, they had to write down the, the first verse of Stairway to Heaven, and then it just got, you know, bad. <laughs> yeah, I got out of here. Yeah, had to get out. Can't, of have, can't have any fun, but. No. All right, so who who is the best player that you ever played against? Sheer talent-wise, best player. Well, I, 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 for, for a long period of time, I mean, from games, more games I played against, uh, Joe Barry Carroll. When he wanted to play, uh, he was tremendous. We couldn't stop him. He was seven one, uh, just hugely talented, and just the the consolation game. Uh, I had we no one wanted to be there because it was like one of the last consolation games that ever were played, and we had to play Purdue of all teams. We got to play him again, yeah. and 
and we were, it was back and forth and, and uh, I had gotten about sick of them at that point. And I threw a punch at Joe Barry running down the floor on offense as he was running with me. And Arnett Hallman, who was a forward then, uh, said, Steve, what the hell are you doing? And this is all like, well, like, well we're, we're on offense. What the hell are you doing? He's going to kill you. I said, I don't care if he killed me. I just want to get one punch in. Uh, and then it didn't. And he scored like 41. And I fouled out like with 13 minutes to go. I wanted no part of that. Uh, but the guy that I had to guard that was probably the most talented that I'd ever played and that I never heard of, uh, we're playing, I'm playing in the, uh, the Virginia beach or Plymouth, Virginia. They have a big pro week thing and you got to play a bunch of games out in Virginia beach. And, uh, uh, I was playing against a guy from Clemson that I had really never heard of. And he was a tall, skinny guy. And I didn't think he was worth going to be worth anything on his name happened to be Larry Nance. And, (laughs) and they're having a, they have a side out of bounds play. And I'm at, he's at the opposite elbow and from the taking it out on the other side. And he takes two steps towards half court. And of course I'm going to be, you know, the, the really not so quick white guy is going to try and deny him the ball. And so I deny him on those two steps before I know it. Oh, I look, I look toward the basket. They lob it from out of bounds and he dunks it. And it's still probably rim, you know, shaking now. And I said, you know, that's about the end of my NBA career right there. Yeah. Uh, and that was, I, and I played, I had never heard of him before and he was phenomenal. I just, I, man, he did things that I, uh, and the other, the other one I thought was, was great was, uh, Kenny Carr from NC state. I had never played against a guy as big as me or taller than me that could play outside. And our first game of, of our my freshman year was NC State in Greensboro in like a pre – we played each other like eight times, it seemed like. And uh, we played him there, and I was in charge of him, and I'm at the top of the key guarding him and going, what the hell am I doing out here? I'm not in, out here. And what is he doing out here? And he just hits a jumper over me and like, oh, shit. Okay, I got to cover a little more ground now. Uh, but just people like that, that just some, those were the three that I think were really tremendous. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Um, all right, so Adam and I make our way up to Boone to catch a game this winter. Where do we, where do we got to stop and get something to eat before we uh, head over to the game? Uh, I think you got to go my uh, – my daughter would probably be upset because we're very close with the family. You got to go to uh, uh, La Coretta Mexican restaurant, right, right on, on story street there. Uh, Gabby Fuentes is one of our, like almost my adopted daughter. Uh, and so we, they own it. And uh, so got to go there first. I can, I, well, I can go for some Mexican. How about you, Adam? That sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty good. To me. I'm in. I'm in. So. Well, let's do it. Um, all right. So two more coach, we'll get you out of here. A um, no little bit of a loaded one here that I know will be easy for you, but what's, what's the best thing um, about, about being a DMAC bear? Oof. Uh, I think the, the, the pro, the pro, the pro student and pro athlete aspect of campus. Uh, it's very, it's very warming. Everybody wants you to succeed. 
everybody wants to be there, you know, to teach first and second year areas. Uh, I think it's our little niche as far as athletics. Uh, we've gotten the resources there. Uh, and it's, and it's close to everything. It's, you know, when you're recruiting and you say you're from Iowa, everybody thinks you're right in the middle of a cornfield and there's no, and there's nowhere out to go. And when we can say we're, you know, 15, 20 minutes from Ames and a hundred thousand people or 50,000 people. Uh, but I think the, the, the greatest thing about here is, uh, is that we're all very pro pro wanting our, our students to succeed in a very happy place. I think it's, it's not a drudgery. It's not a, Oh boy, the, the enrollment's down and we're, you know, we got, you know, a new era of kids. It's everybody's excited to be there and, and trying to make it the best possible situation for them. And that's why I think it's, it's a, a great place for kids to be. Yeah, that's, that's good. And the, everyone's working towards the same goal. It always makes it easier. Um, yeah. All right, coach, last one, we'll get you out of here. Um, what does it mean to you if you or one of your players has the shooter's touch? What is it? What now? Say it again. What is, what does it mean to have the shooters touch? Oh man, you, you just, you go to the well, you go to the, you go to the well, you keep feeding it. I, I've told, uh, yeah, shooters touch, man, until they run dry, run them off a double screens, uh, staggers, whatever, man, get them touches. And if somebody else shoots it, we're going to call a timeout and, and I'm going to find out why in the world would you shoot it after they just made three threes uh that's that's what the shooter's touch is to me no that's that's great we love that coach and, um we uh we appreciate you taking some time to jump on and and chat Absolutely. with us and share so many great stories um we'll be following along excited to see the the team and the journey and what you're able to continue to do up there in boone and uh we we wish you the best of luck thanks very much i had a blast anytime you want to talk i'd be more than happy Awesome. Awesome. Well, as Brian said, coach, we appreciate it. Can't wait to get up to uh, a couple games this year um, yeah, do that. and, and probably grab some Mexican before. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk soon. Um, appreciate your time. Good luck this year. Uh, and we will Thank see you. you soon. All right. Thanks very much guys.